you can have a seat. I know I'm the third person to say, but welcome to Bayou City Fellowship. Why don't you turn to the person on your right and say, welcome home. We've been in the middle of this series we've been calling Flourish, looking at the church. We've talked about the church and the word of God. We've talked about the church and the fame of Jesus. We've talked about the church and the family of God. We've talked about the church and our priorities. And today we're going to talk about the church and the generations. You know, I've told you many times, but I grew up in a very small Baptist church in southwest Missouri. And every year, once a year, we would have Youth Sunday. Now, Youth Sunday, if you're not familiar with it, is when they turn all of the significant responsibilities over to the teenagers. And so the teenagers teach the Bible studies, and the teenagers take the offering, and the teenagers count the attendance, and the teenagers, uh, you know, give a testimony during church, and teenagers lead the kids' ministry. And it's like this one day a year where everybody wakes up to the fact that, oh yeah, there are young people in this church. Uh, there was a hierarchy of jobs that you wanted as a teenager. You didn't want uh, the, the, the best jobs in the eyes of the adults were, you know, teaching an adult Bible study, but you didn't want that as a teenager because it meant two things. Number one, it meant you had to prepare. Uh, it meant, too, that you were talking to people who knew better, you know, which is always, uh, you know, awkward when you're teaching people who know more than you. That's just not a fun place to be. And you're talking to people who will get onto you if you get it wrong. Uh, so you didn't want that job. Uh, the job that you really wanted, the coveted position, was to take the offering, to be an usher. Because you got to be up in an important moment. Uh, you got to pass the plates, which is kind of a simple job. And then you got entrusted with the money. Now, they didn't let you count it as a teenager, but you got to carry it from the auditorium, the worship you know, center, whatever, uh, to the back secret room where they counted the money. Because they don't disclose that location. I don't know why we keep that a secret, as if a bunch of criminals are targeting us, uh, but they keep it secret, and you got to walk back and see where the secret place was that they counted the money. So that was the job that you really wanted. You had Youth Sunday once a year to just wake up to the fact that, oh yeah, we have teenagers in the church, and let's make a big deal about it. We don't have Youth Sunday at Bayou City Fellowship because we believe in some sense every Sunday should be Youth Sunday here. Uh, and, and what we're saying today uh, is real simple. This is not going to be one of those sermons when you leave today, you're like, oh my gosh, I'd never heard that before. You can read this anywhere on the internet. Um, <laughs> I want to put a filter in us today that when we come to church, we come viewing it through the lens of this is not just about us. This is about our children and our children's children and their children's children. That when we come and we're taking it all in, we're not taking it all in as just consumers of spiritual goods and services. We're thinking to ourselves, what does it look like for a teenager to receive this message? What does it look like for a child to serve here at Bayou City Fellowship? What does it look like to be a young adult among the ministries of this church? So we're going to talk about the generations today, and I thought it would be really cool and helpful if we actually heard from some of our generations. And so let's welcome three of our young ladies up to the stage here. Ladies, why don't you take your seat? Round of applause for them as they come up here. 
three very, very special young ladies. I'm going to go ahead and introduce them to you. Um, down here on the far left, we have Allie McGee, and uh, Allie has been a part of our church family almost since the very beginning, maybe even Sunday number one, which has been so great. And uh, you've seen Allie before. Uh, she uh, leads worship for us uh, sometimes out here in Cyprus, and so her face should be familiar to her. Um, she is an awesome young lady, works at Theater Under the Stars uh, there, so very artistic. Uh, went to school in South Carolina at Furman University, and uh, uh, 24 years old, and Allie's just a very, very special special young lady uh, to us here. This is Sarah Freihoff, and uh, Sarah is an all-star at Cypress Ranch High School. Uh, just a great, great young lady serving all over the place. And if you've dropped your kids off at uh, church here, you've seen Sarah's face. She's just all over the place. Her mom, Krista, is one of our pastors here, their mobilization pastor, and her father, Chris, just amazing couple. They've actually moved here from Ohio, and they grieved a little bit, but then they realized how awesome Texas was, and now they never want to get home. They're trying to get all their family from Ohio down here. Uh, and so Sarah is just a great young lady. And according to social media, she's the best swimmer in the whole world there at Cypress Ranch. And, uh, and so we're grateful for her. She's 16 years old, has her driver's license. So if any of you are looking for a ride, Sarah's your gal. Um, and then this little special young lady is Annabeth Ellen Jones. Uh, and uh, Annabeth, um, well, let me just ask you the first question here. Um, who's the best daddy in the whole world? You. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Annabeth is six. Uh, she's in kindergarten at Samson Elementary School, which is just right around the corner. She loves to dance, and she loves to draw, and she loves to sing, and, um, and she's here for comic relief purposes. Uh, so, uh, so pray, pray for us, uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, Allie, let's, uh, let's start with you. Um, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about what it means for you at 24 years old to be a part of a church family. Um. It's one of my absolute favorite things, and, you know, we always try to be home here, and we try to be a family, and especially at Cyprus, I mean, it mostly is families, so um, my favorite thing about being in a church family is that it does not start and end in this building, which uh, I think is really cool, Um, meaning, like, you get to know people, not necessarily here, but when you're, someone's going through a tough time, and different families end up bringing lasagnas and coming inside and playing with your kids, and like, when stuff like that happens, I look around and I go, now this is church, you know, when we had a community group picnic, and we were all adventuring out yonder, and there's, like, ropes and slack lines, and the adults and the kids are all on the slack line, bouncing up and down, trying to get each other to fall off, and I was just looking around, and I was like, this is church, mm-hmm. you know, um, probably my, my favorite moment to think about um, is two years ago at Spring Branch, um, we, our family had had the worst Tuesday ever. Uh, my brother had hernia surgery. My sister had an ear infection. My dad had just left for Kazakhstan, and my three-year boyfriend broke up with me. It was a really bad Tuesday. And um, <laughs> so then we showed up on Sunday, and I, I just didn't have words. I couldn't speak. I couldn't make any requests, but I knew I needed prayer so bad. And any one of the women up here could have prayed for me, but I walked up to Krista, and I just I couldn't. Uh, uh, but she, as a part of my family, she knew my name. She knew my family, she knew my story, and she knew my tragedy, and she was able to pray for me without me saying a word, and to me, that's, that's church family. That's cool. Uh, Sarah, uh, tell us uh, a little bit, um, as you think about your generation, 16 years old, Cy Ranch High School, um, what about your generation there in high school don't we know? Like, 
What is it that we are missing as maybe a little bit older? And in fact, cool story about uh, Sarah as I emailed her the questions. I actually texted him to her mom because this is 2015. And, um, and, uh, And she went to her friends and said, hey, what do you think about these questions? So one of the questions was, what don't we know about what it is like to be a teenager? And what were some of their responses? Some of my friends, they said depression and anxiety, and there's also our parents put a lot of pressure on us to be 100% in, like, everything we do, and that's what causes some of that is you have to be 100% in your sport, 100% in school. You need to be the top 10%. You need to get into this school. And another thing that a lot of people in our generation struggle with is lust. Hmm. That's good. What do you think, so we're hearing those needs, and um, what do you think your generation needs from the church? Um, you know, we're going to pray, obviously. That's one thing that we could do. But as far as what else could we do uh, to step into some of that need? Um, one, of the, one of the things that would help a lot is that when we do show up on Sundays, and if you, have, you, if you do struggle with those things, being able to be real with people and have people be real with you, not have this, not someone just put on a facade and say, oh, yes, like, we understand you struggle with that, but someone be, like, real and raw with you and actually be able for you to be real with them. Oh, that's good. That's a good word. Um, well, Annabeth, let's uh, change the subject to a little bit lighter. Uh, what is uh, your favorite part of church? Story. Stories. Stories Daddy tells on Sunday. Yeah, about you. Yeah, yes. those are the best. Uh, what's your favorite uh, Bible story? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yeah, absolutely. And what is your favorite way uh, to serve God? Praying. Praying. And why do you like to pray? Why is that your favorite? Because um, last night I was praying. Um, I was in my bed. Mm. And what did you pray for? Um, not having bad dreams. Bad dreams. And I said I can have good dreams or no dreams, and he gave me good dreams. He gave you good dreams. Oh, that's good. That's so sweet. Well done. You can have your dollar after church is over. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I didn't even offer to pay you, did I? No, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sarah, tell us about uh, what's your favorite way to, s- to serve God? Uh, what kind of stirs your heart? Um, I really enjoy kids and the kids' ministry, but I also really enjoy being able to serve in Haiti, like specifically with the kids and be able to help meet their needs. That's great. Uh, plug, we have a team going to Haiti uh, this summer. Uh, Allie, what about you? What stirs your heart? Um, many years ago, God started stirring my heart uh, for the homeless. And um, so I lead a small group of young adults out in spring um, in, a, in a homeless ministry. It's casual, you know. But uh, what stirred my heart for it was that in Isaiah 58, it says, do not turn your back from your own flesh and blood. And, I mean, that really stirred my heart once I got to know these people. I was like, they are the same as us, except for their circumstances. And circumstances pass away. That's good. Instantly. So, yeah. uh, Allie, tell us, uh, you're 24, uh, young adult. What, what's the number one need in your mind? Um, number one thing that uh, 24-year-olds, that early 20s generation is carrying on their shoulders? Um, I think we're, we're carrying a lot of different pressures, um, pressure to get married, pressure to get a good job, um, pressure to suddenly become a spiritual adult rather than uh, being learning. And I think in all of those ways, the thing that we struggle with the most is diligence, because for every single one of those things, we're just surrounded by stuff that distract us in this generation. We, we grew up with distraction from day one. 
we're in the technological era. So it's, it's really hard to be diligent. That's great. And uh, Sarah, if we asked uh, that lunch table, um, what's the number one way we can pray uh, for your generation? Um, what do you think and what, th- what might they say? I would say that we don't uh, succumb to temptation and that we actually have our own faith and are able to just, just block out everything around us. That's great. That's so great. Round of applause for these ladies. Why don't you turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 78, talking about the generations today. Four things I would love for you to write down and remember. Verse 1, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments." And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. First thing I'd love for you to write down so you can remember this morning is that older generations are responsible for younger generations. You'll notice here, The psalmist is not talking to the children. He's talking to the adults. When he says, give ear, O my people, to my teaching, incline your ears to the words of my mouth, he's not saying to the younger generation, listen up. Now that would be our message to younger generations, to teenagers, to children, to uh, people in their 20s. You you guys need to listen to this. Are, Are you hearing what he's saying? Are you hearing what she's saying? In fact, that is often our message to our children, isn't it? Listen. But the scripture is saying that to us today. Listen, this is a message not to them. This is a message to us that we are responsible for younger generations. And I want a shift to happen in Bayou City Fellowship this morning. That when we come to church, we don't just come as an individual consuming the goods and services that are laid out here before us. That we don't just come as an individual uh, thinking about what I need and what God has for me. I want us coming, yes, as individual individuals, but coming as a family, as spiritual mothers and fathers, spiritual aunts and uncles, spiritual grandpas and grandmas. Because you have a role in this. This is not just for pastors. This is not just for key leaders. This is for everyone. We are all responsible for raising up new generations. So what's your role? What is your role here in raising up generations? You know, if you think of yourself as an, a spiritual aunt or uncle, would, would, would you be more likely to volunteer to show up to set all of this up? Or stay a little bit late to tear it all down? 
If you're just coming as an individual, you're like, well, no, I can't do that. I mean, I got things to go, and I'm hungry after church, and so I'm, I can't wait 30 minutes. That's not, no, I got, I got things to do. If you're coming as an individual, of course. But if you're coming as a spiritual father, if you're coming as a spiritual mother or a spiritual aunt, you're more likely to go, you know what, I, I will show up a little bit early. I will stay a little bit late. I will volunteer in the kids' ministry. Because I'm not just an individual. I have a role here. You may be like, well, I'm too old to volunteer in kids' ministry, and I'm too old to lift things, and uh, so what can I do? Well, you can, you can raise up new generations by, by giving. And you may think, well, I already give. But if you're not going to do anything else, could you give a little bit more? Maybe 10% is the, the, the number that's etched into your soul, maybe from your upbringing or from the Old Testament. And so you give 10% of your income to the church. But, but what if this year, if you can't serve, if you can't show up early, if you can't minister to, to kids, if you can't volunteer in our student ministry, could you give 12% this year? And that extra 2% is just between your heart and God's heart for new generations. What is your role? Because you have a role. When most of us are thinking about those younger than us, our first reaction is to roll our eyes, isn't it? It's to to look down on them and go, oh, uh, they're going to know better in a few years. That kind of eye roll. Or we we listen to their music. I mean, I'm 34 years old, and even some of the music that's out right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, how does anybody listen to this? Like, I already crossed that line, and I am super cool and hip. You know, I don't... (laughs) know what's a matter with me. Like it's just something in us that we turn around and we look with disdain on those who are coming behind us. Uh, their customs are weird. Their habits are weird. Their, 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 all of that is weird. Uh, I love what one of my, uh, my mentors said to me. He said, if you do not like the way that things are going, look at the way that you are leading. So if we look back at those behind us, and we go, I don't like the choices that they make. I don't like that the things that they're doing. I don't like the music they listen to. I don't like the movies that they watch. I don't like any of that. Maybe our first stop isn't what's wrong with them. It should be, is there anything wrong with me? And maybe there's not. There are parents in here, and you have loved Jesus from the time that your children are born, and you brought them to church faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. You've lived out the word of God in front of them. You're not perfect, but you did your best. And they, they just didn't follow in your steps because they're um, individual human beings, and human beings make their own choices. But maybe our first stop shouldn't be, what's wrong with them? It should be, is there anything wrong with me? Maybe that's where we should focus our attention before rolling our eyes at what we don't like is what we don't like our fault because we are responsible for younger generations the next thing that i want you to write down older generations should uncover the works of god for younger generations verse four it says we will not hide them from their children but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the lord and his might and the wonders that he has done So we're uncovering the works of God. And what are the works of God in verse 4? It's the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might or strength and the wonders that He has done. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 2. So just a few books to the left.
This is what it says in Judges chapter 2. And that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That means one generation had all died and passed away. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So the idea is this, that there was a generation that knew God, they knew the stories of God, they knew the works of God, and then they didn't tell their children. And because they didn't tell their children, there was another generation that didn't know any of the stories, they didn't know any of the works, they didn't know any of the strength, they didn't know any of the wonders of God. Now the context here is really interesting, because uh, the Exodus happens in the book of Exodus, right? Uh, God calls Moses through the burning bush and, you know, go to my people and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses does. He goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not doing that. Plague after plague after plague after plague. Ten plagues happen. And then Pharaoh finally relents. And so the Israelites leave. Pharaoh chases. God parts the Red Sea. And now Israel lives in the wilderness with God. He he says, I want you to build me a tent or a tabernacle and it's going to be awesome and holy. It's covered in gold. And God would place his presence there. And so you had the generation that were slaves in Egypt, but then delivered. And then you have the generation that was born in the wilderness and they lived in the wilderness their whole lives. And then God eventually takes his people into a land flowing with milk and honey, a land to call their own where they could actually build not temporary tents, but permanent houses. And it was that generation that got the permanent houses that didn't know the Lord. So what happened was Their parents were able to provide something for their children that their parents were not able to provide for them, but they forgot to provide the wonders of God. And I wonder if any of us are experts at providing for our children's physical needs and have hidden their spiritual need. Is what you are providing for your kids actually hiding the things that matter most? There's not one parent in here, in the Sci-Fair area, that would not spend all of their money to give their children a, a, a reasonable opportunity to maximize their intellect. You're willing to give time to it. Some of you are spending four hours a week doing your children's homework. <laughs> Why? Because you want to give them every opportunity to maximize their intellect. Some of us are spending thousands of dollars and are happy to spend thousands of dollars to give your children an opportunity to maximize their athletic talent. You're going to batting cages and you're going to practices and you're going to tournaments. You're buying equipment and you're happy to do it because they love it and you love them. Are you giving your children an opportunity to to maximize their faith? Are you putting them in a position where they have to come to that moment where they say, can I trust God? And you're there saying, you can. And here's why. For most of us, what we are providing for our children is, is actually hiding the things that matter most. If you want to know what your priorities are, you just measure your time and your money. And how much of that is being leveraged for your children's faith? And you have to tell them your story. You have to tell them your story. Where do you think they're going to hear about the wonders of God? Well, that's why I bring them to church, so you can tell them your stories. That's great. But who can't tune out 
their pastor. Everyone can tune out their pastor. I mean, half of you are tuned out right now. See, it's very, very easy. But they can't tune out your story if you tell it to them over and over and over again. Where do you think they learn the strength and might of God? From their strong father who's able to say, you know, I was in this moment and I really, really prayed because I don't have it all together and I'm not able to accomplish all that I want to accomplish. And so I begged God to do this and he did it. They learned that from their fathers and mothers. They learned that from their spiritual aunts and uncles. So you got to tell them your story. Um, when Jackson was born, he's nine you know, you get this moment in the hospital. Uh, all your visitors come within like the first 24 hours, uh, which is a real blessing. But then like everyone forgets about you in the second 24 hours. And, and uh, they're like, we already gave you a shower and we showed up and that's it. I'm done. I don't want to hear about your kid anymore. I don't want to see their pictures on Facebook. Uh, they look exactly the same as they did before. I don't need any more. And, uh, and so you, you get more moments alone on the second day. And so there was a moment when Jackson was just, you know, less than 24 hours alone. And Amanda was, you know, recovering, and so she was able to leave and walk down the hallways. For whatever reason, uh, it was just Jackson and I there alone. This was like going to be our first like man-to-man talk. He's 24 hours old, and we're, you know, we're not going to have the talk, you know, because that would be weird, but we're going to have just a man-to-man talk. And, you know, what do you say? He's obviously not talking back, so I, I thought, I'm, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him about what is most important to me, and I'm going to tell him about how I came to follow Jesus. And so I just started in the beginning with them. You know, buddy, your grandma and grandpa are awesome, and they made sure that I went to church all the time. And because I was there, I heard about Jesus. And for whatever reason, I just thought that he was the coolest guy on planet Earth. And if half of what I read about and heard about was true, then I just had to lay down my whole life for him. I wanted that to be the first thing that he heard just from me. So when Annabeth was born a few years later, you know, I looked for that moment when it would be just her and I, so I can say my first one-on-one conversation with my daughter is about the thing that's most important to me. Now, it wouldn't matter if, if I just did that and then I never told them again. They don't have any idea that I did that. In fact, it wouldn't matter to them if I told them this morning. It, what matters is that I tell it to them again and again and again and again because this is where they learn the wondrous deeds of God and his might and the wonders that he has done. We should uncover the works of God for younger generations. The next thing I want you to write down is older generations should teach the word of God to younger generations. Verse 5, Psalm chapter 78 he established a testimony in Jacob. That testimony, it's, it's not like just giving up and getting up and telling a story. It's you know, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was the testimony. That's what needed to be passed down. And it appointed a law in Israel. Do this, don't do this. Not just because they're rules, but because that was their, the holy law that had been given to them. Which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. Older generations should teach the word of God 
to younger generations. We believe that here at Bayou City Fellowship. That's why the curriculum that our children are using, even right now as we worship together, they are working their way through the scripture. And in three years, your child, if they come most Sundays, will have started in Genesis and will make it all the way through Revelation, going back and forth, New Testament to Old Testament, New Testament to Old Testament, because we believe that that's what is important, that they uh, know the word of God, that they, they, they teach it to them. And they do scripture memory down there. And it's a fun trick with your kids to go, uh, what was your memory verse for today? And they're like, uh, and I'm like, I'll give you a quarter. And then it's like, boom, out. <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. We move for money. I had a, I had a teacher, a Bible study teacher, when I was in the sixth grade, and, and uh, he loved scripture memory. And so every week he would give us a new memory verse and, and test you on the weeks before. And, and the prize, you know, sixth grade boy, no offense to any sixth grade boys, they're not motivated by a lot. In fact, they're not motivated hardly at all. And so he would bring the huge full-size Butterfinger bars. And if you got your memory verse right, then he would give you a whole bar of candy. And we just thought that that was the most normal thing, that we said a memory verse and somebody gave us a whole bar of candy. As an adult, I'm like, how much money did that guy have? You know, there was a large group of us and not everybody got it, but he gave out a lot of candy bars. Why? Because he was committed to us knowing the word of God. And there are verses that I could memorize by heart and come out with by heart right now that I learned because he cared enough to stop by the grocery store every Sunday morning to bring us motivation to put the word of God into our hearts. It's older generation's responsibility to teach the younger generations the word of God. You may be like, well, honestly, I don't know that much about it. I I can't stand up and teach my kids or anybody else's kids the scripture. Start with what you do know. Teach that. And then when you run out of that, then learn something new and teach that. Then learn something new and then teach that. What can you pass down of the word of God? Because if they don't hear it from us, where are they going to hear it? And the last thing I want you to write down, older generations should use their own lives to warn younger generations. Verse 8, And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And then starting in verse 9, this is a long psalm. It goes all the way to verse 72. It's just bad decisions that their fathers and their fathers' fathers made don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You know, most of us only want to give the highlight reel of our lives. The sports center clip, men. This is all the good stuff that happened. Learn from my example. Very few of us are okay being honest about the less glamorous parts of our lives. Now, we're, uh, we're fine with, uh, you know, admitting like, hey, I'm not perfect. Because what shame is there in that? No one is perfect, so you just get a bunch of amens. Right? Or, I, I'm, you know, I mess up every now and then. You're like, it's the every now and then phrase that's the lie. It's the I mess up. And this is how I messed up. And this is what I did. Listen, Our children and our children's children, future generations, are not going to learn from our vague examples. 
They need somebody with enough courage and humility to step up and say, I've been in this crossroads right here where you are. And I went to the left. And and let me just tell you from experience what's to the left. And I did this. I did this. And then this happened. And then this happened. Most of us just want to go, don't go to the left. Well, why? Well, because I said so. The left is bad. Sometimes you lead from out front and you say, hey, everybody, follow me. Sometimes you got to lead from the back and go, don't, don't go that way. And when they say, why shouldn't I go that way? Why shouldn't I date this guy? Why shouldn't I go to this party? Why should I come to church? You can go, well, because I dated that guy. This is what happened. Because I made that choice. And this is what happened. Somebody's got to use their life as a signpost or there won't be any signposts. And listen, some, some of us were like, well, my past is bad. It's bad, and I would never admit my past to my kids because I'd be so ashamed to tell them. Listen, where do you think your kids got their DNA? They got it from you. You are their map. Even if they rebel against you, they are still walking in your footsteps. So I promise that your children and your nieces and your nephews are going to be in the exact same moments you have been in. So you need to be able to say, like, listen, sweetheart, I know from experience. Son, this is, this is what's going to happen. Don't do it. Follow me this way. You've got to have enough humility to own your past. Because for most of us, our past serves as nothing but uh, just uh, internal shame. Our past only purpose in our life is just to make us feel bad when we think about it, so we just try not to think about it. That's the only thing most of our pasts are good for, those past mistakes. But if you leverage your past, God can redeem it. And according to the scripture, he can turn it into something good. He can use it for good. So instead of just letting your past be your burden to carry, why don't you put it in the hands of God and let it be a tool for future generations? And you could see something good start to be born out of it. Older generations are responsible for younger generations. Older generations should uncover the works of God to younger generations. Older generations should teach the word of God to younger generations. And older generations should use their lives to warn younger generations. Last week after church, Annabeth and I were riding in the car on the way home. Amanda and Jackson were up ahead of us in a separate car and you know, I have uh, post-Sunday routines. I know you guys don't have any Sunday routines. I know that, you know, you're checking the clock right now because your routine is, uh, needs to start pretty soon. Uh, but uh, my post-Sunday routine is if I'm in the car by myself, uh, if it's been a good Sunday, then I like to listen to sports radio, you know, just kind of see what's going on, football season especially, get all the scores, the highlights. Uh, if it's been a bad Sunday and I feel like it didn't go that well, then I just, you know, turn it down and sit in the shame of silence uh, all the way home. And, and so... Uh, uh, last Sunday, I thought it went really well, and so I got sports radio turned all the way up, and Annabeth is in the back, and she's uh, playing this game, Would You Rather? Uh, we, I have like infinity cards back in the back of my seat. Somebody gave them to us. Thank you very much for that, by the way. Um, and so she's going, you've played Would You Rather. You know, would you rather go on vacation to Hawaii? Would you rather go on vacation to the mountains? And you, you know, you, you play that game. And so she's reading all these cards, and, and I'm listening to sports radio, and I got I'm all tuned into it and dialed in. And, she starts reading me the cards, and I'm kind of like, 
hey, I got my routine going on. Like, this is, it's, it's been a good Sunday, man. It was a win. Just let me have my win, you know? Um, but she wants to read them to me. She wants to read them to me. And, uh, and so I reached for the volume knob to turn it up to drown her out. And as I did, just the conviction of the Spirit of God fell on me. You know, there's going to be a day where she doesn't even want to talk to you. And I turned it all the way down. And I said, let's, let's play. And this is the cards that she said, would you rather only be able to eat food from the trash or eat french fries that were deep fried in sweat? This is my beautiful parenting moment. We are all in agreement today that uh, we're responsible for the younger generations. The question for me as an individual, as a spiritual father, as a spiritual uncle, is am I willing to turn down what I want to tune in to what they need? That's a daily question. That's a moment by moment question. Are you willing to come to this church and every once in a while turn down what you want to tune in to what somebody else needs? To be a spiritual father or mother, to be a spiritual aunt or uncle. We shouldn't have to beg for volunteers. We shouldn't have to say, man, what's our solution going to be? Because we only got like a handful of people showing up in the morning to set all this up and only got a handful of people sticking around to, 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 to tear it all down. What, what are we going to do? How do we make it? We make t-shirts? Should we beg? Should we change our system? No, we should start thinking of ourselves as I'm responsible. I'm responsible because I'm an uncle in this house. I'm an aunt in this house. I'm a father in this house. I'm a grandfather in this house. I'm responsible and I will pour my life out for those who I am responsible for. We gotta get this filter in us if there's gonna be a Bayou City Fellowship five years from now and 10 years from now and 50 years from now and 100 years from now if Jesus does not return. Because the goal would be that long after we're dead, when he does return, he's found a church in this church ready for him. And that doesn't happen if I just come as an individual, if I just come to consume spiritual goods and services. But if I start coming as a family member who is responsible, then this will be a church that loves Jesus and serves its guts out for people long after we're gone. So Father, we pray just for just a filter to come into our lives and Holy Spirit, just well up and stir up and bow up in us when we go to turn up our wants instead of tuning in to what someone else needs. Lord, and I pray just just repent of how many times I've come to church thinking this is about me and what do I got to do and what do I need and what do I got to do and uh, all of that, God. And I just pray that I would just come with a new lens for all of us, Lord. I pray we came in as individuals today, but we leave significant parts of the family who are responsible. By the power of Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to finish church today with a time of ministry and prayer.
This is not the landing of the church service today. This is the most important moment. We talked about God, we talked about the Word of God, and now it's time to talk to God. So our prayer ministry team is going to come forward and take their places. If you have something on your heart today that, that you want to be prayed for, then that's what this time is for. If you're sick, we want to pray for you. We believe God can intervene. But two groups of people I specifically want to invite to come and pray. If you've got a, a name of somebody younger than you that's just stirring in your heart right now, you care about them, and you just want to mention their name in prayer before God today, then please come and do that. Now, they may never know that you prayed for them, but... Bible says that when we pray, God listens. And who knows how he might respond on their behalf because you prayed for them today. So come and pray for somebody younger than you that's in your heart today. And the second thing is if you just start, just feel asleep spiritually, you know, and you don't want to. In fact, during worship, you try to kind of shake it off yourself and really get it going. And just, for whatever reason, you just can't. You just feel asleep then I want you to come and pray. The Bible says, wake up, O sleeper. So right there, we have something to pray for, that you would be just fully alive and fully awake to what God wants to do in your life and in the lives of those people around you. So if you feel spiritually sleepy today, come and pray. I believe there's some power for some awakening to happen. So God, we ask that you would answer these prayers. Holy, triumphant, for your glory, for the good of your children. In Jesus' name. Let's worship together. You come forward and pray.